0: Hoi hoi, Aether here. Uh, Just wanted to thank you for listening. Uh, I'm the guy playing the dwarven priest named Father Westpike. Uh, And if you want to listen to more of the stuff I'm working on, I am currently playing a character in TLD Kino, and I also have a character in an upcoming audio drama called Counterbalance. And that's a long-running fantasy series that I highly recommend checking out. But anyway, I'm going to keep this short. Enjoy. Sintri Westpike is a burly built dwarf from the mountain town of Westmanshold, an old dwarven fortress town in the deep crevices of Frostiron Mountains. The thick clouds that gather at the mountain's ridge mean that the town often goes days without sunlight. So most of Sintri's early and informative years were spent in the light of oil lamps. He always tested the small flames as he had been born with a dim vision and the soft light of the flames mixed with his natural dark vision caused him great headaches after causing him to rather work in no light at all if he could help it. At early age, Sindri fell at odds with the common wisdom of the town. The town was governed by a council of elders who, with the help of the local militia, dealt out punishments or bestowed pardon on townspeople and travelers who had broken the laws. Sintri took issues with the totality with which the council ruled the town, and his convictions were only further hardened with time. When Sinter was still young, only 50 years of age, and still working his father's anvil, he took to a traveling human who made a camp on the outskirts of town. While not with an official merchant guild, he paid the town's taxes and made good with the local traders. The man was looking to trade for local rare metals that occasionally made their way to town. Many nights, Sinter would make trips out to the man and they would trade stories of their hometowns. It was from this man that Sinter learned that much of his life was abnormal. He learned about the gods, old and new, as Westman's hold was a godless town, but the fact that struck him the hardest was the idea that most people lived lives in regular sunlight, not at all like his sporadic and mostly absent lifestyle. One night the man confided in Sintra that he had found a weaponsmith in town, willing to sell him adamantium. He showed Sintra a bag of jewels he was going to trade for the metal, but he was hesitant as the seller had been incredibly secretive and difficult to deal with. The next day, the man was nowhere to be found. A couple of days later, the man stood in the city centre, having been tried and sentenced by the council. His crime? Stealing and eating livestock from a local farmer. His sentence? The crack. Sidra ran to the man's side and spoke to his innocence, that the two of them had regularly seared meals and the man had never provided flesh meat, and that the man had more than enough money to pay for such luxuries. Being so young of age no one listened to Sintry's words with much weight and he was promptly silenced and removed from the town centre. The last Sindri ever saw of the man was a pleading look, the last he ever heard a cry for help before he was ushered towards the crag. The crag is a massive fissure in the earth, running down the side of the town. It had been there since the settlement of the old fortress and had quickly been deemed inhospitable for mining. Stories tell of whole missing expeditions, and a few returning harried dwarfs speaking of talking stones and other such gibberish. The creek was abandoned, but the fortress town stuck around, thriving on shallow coal mines in the surrounding areas which fueled the many furnaces of the town's weaponsmiths. A couple of centuries ago the mountain area at the time were ravaged by vagabonds and bandits which often came to class with the town militia. Having no way to deal with the amount of prisoners this generated, the council at the time designated that these lawless shall be lowered into the crag, where they can live the lawless lifestyle they desired. Over the decades, the crag became a substitute for any form of death or lifetime penalty. Sinter became irate at the advance that had unfolded and resolved to find the weaponsmith he suspected had betrayed the man and framed him. The search did not take long, as a couple of days later he entered the smithy of an old foreign dwarf. His face was bruised and his hands bandaged. Simple questioning quickly revealed the old dwarf a poor liar, and after being caught out by sentry, he revealed the fate of the human. He spoke of the fateful meeting he had with the man, that the two of them had met outside town, intending to make a trade under the cover of night. Everything had been going fine until a patrol of local militia stumbled upon them. While the trade was not explicitly illegal, the militia took them away in chains. He said he never saw the man again. He had been jailed for two days without food or water. When he was finally fed, it wasn't a question. He was beaten and given a story to stick to, threatened with the Craig if he ever spoke of his dealing with a human, and told that he would be getting a smaller share of any of the Craig's trades. You see, a century earlier, a new expedition into the Craig had embarked. It returned much earlier than was scheduled with some puzzling news. Many of the lawless criminals condemned to the Craig were surviving down there. The expectation had traded most of its food and water, and some of its mining supplies, for minerals and metals that the lawless, as they were thereafter called, had hoarded. This news shocked many of the local townsfolk, but the council declared this changed nothing about the Kreg. It's still no place for an honest dwarf, and that perhaps these lawless could finally be of any good to the civilized people of Westman. A tram was designed, and every month a caravan with food, water, and supplies would descend to trade with the lawless of the Kruk. The old weaponsmith explained to Sintri that the Kortalum, the parent clan of Sintri's own Westpike clan, and a powerful merchant guild, had over the years monopolized caravan juries into the Kruk. He went on to explain that any weaponsmith who did not belong to the Cortalum or its subclans, that wanted access to the rare metals that often came out of the crag, had to agree to extortive terms from the Cortalum which included a spoken agreement not to trade any of the metals, rare or worked, to any other than the cortalum. For many metal workers, the opportunity to work with many of the metals the Craig produced was an honor enough to make up for the bad deals that they were forced into. But the old dwarf had gotten fed up and wanted out of the town. He had believed that his best opportunity was to make some light money from the traveling merchant and simply pack up his bags and leave. The old dwarf told Sindri that over the years he had accumulated a hefty debt from the Cortalum when he had ruined some of the metals he was working on, and with the unreasonable prices that they offered him he foresaw more than a decade before he could pay off his debt, and another couple of years before he could afford to move away. Before leaving, the old dwarf told Sindri that if he was ever to be asked about the events of the night he would side with the Kortalum, as he did not want to anger them further. Sindri spent the next few decades of his life trying to reform the fortress town system. He had very little success as most of the townspeople were living very good lives and cared little for the dealings of the craig as long as it provides its bounty. Without any hard proof of wrongdoings and without the backing story of the old weaponsmith, Sindri found it hard to convince people of the town anything illicit was going on. Some decades later, with the death of the oldest dwarf on the council, things began to change quickly for the worse. The council became incredibly harsh in their punishment, people being sentenced to the crag for smaller infractions than ever. A few months later, the council even agreed to have prisoners imported from nearby towns and have them lowered into the crags for a small fee. It was around these changes that Sintry noticed the oddity in the seating of the council. Many of the retiring old dwarfs had been replaced with much younger dwarfs who had been foreigners to the Westman's hold. With some research and discussion with the older dwarfs of the town, Sintry could link almost all of the new council members directly to the Kordalm clan. With this new information in hand, Sintry led a new charge against the town system, and over the years, as more damning facts about the council came to light, he would amass a sizable following. As the movement grew, so did the presence of the council's militia in town. One day, Sintry found a letter in his father's workshop, addressed to him. It was from the old weaponsmith who had intended to trade it with a human. He stated that he wanted to tell his story and asked Sinter to meet him in his home. Sinter was ecstatic to learn this, that he might actually get justice for the man. He rushed to the dwarfs' home but when he entered he found himself springing a social trap that would damn him. The old weaponsmith lay dead in his home, it had not been a merciful death. And when Sinter ran to get help he was ambushed by the militia. Sintry was jailed and accused of the murder, and his trial at the hand of the council was quick. No evidence was provided, simply his word against the council's militia. At the public announcement of his sentence in the town centre, Sintry, along with a halfling he had seen around town maybe a handful of time, were made to stand before the townspeople, hands bound and mouths gagged. The two of them were sentenced to the greg. Sintry for the murder of the weaponsmith, and the halfling for helping Sintry in his deed. In the crowd, Sindri could see the faces of some of his compatriots. Some stared at him with disdain in their eyes, if they themselves knew for a fact that he was a murderer. Others with a look of disbelief and anger directed at the council. When Sindri and the halfling were being moved to the tram of the Craig, some people began protesting, shouting and throwing small objects. Despite the protest, the militia lowered Sindri and the halfling down with haste. A few feet from the bottom, the two militia members that had been lowered with him unbound their hands and pushed them off the tram, letting them fall the last few feet to the bottom while the tram began its slow ascent. Of his time in the crag, many stories can be told, but the fact of the stories can be summarized as follows. Sindri never joined any of the numerous brotherhood that the lawless had gathered into, living instead as a free-roamer in the crag. Sintry and Joris Stoutfoot, the halfling that had been lowered with him, traveled together for an extended period of time. Later, Joris admitted to having been hired by one of the dwarves in the council to have Sintry convicted for a crime worthy of being put in the crack. Joris swore that he had found the weaponsmith dead in his home, that he had succumbed to an illness, and that he had made the death look much more brutal before luring Sintry in. Sintry believed Joris to be truly remorseful for his actions and continued to travel with him. One day, after being ambushed while sleeping, Eurus received a life-threatening wound, and Sintri found himself unable to pay the exorbitant prices that the healers demanded to save Eurus' life. Three days later, after trading all their processions for herbs, medicine, food and water, Eurus' health continued to decline. After he had been unconscious for more than twenty hours, Sintri, half starved, found himself kneeling in prayer. This act was truly alien to him, as he had never done this before, being raised in a godless town. He prayed to the one thing that he found himself wishing for on every morning upon waking. He prayed to the sunlight that would sometimes fill the crevice in which Westmanshold sat, the sunlight that would bathe the town with such vibrant colours and fill it with such natural warmth. He prayed to the light until he found himself slowly drifting off to sleep. He awoke to the voice of yours. When he opened his eyes, he saw light emanating from his hands, and many of the wounds Yoris had sustained were now closed and healing. While still bedridden, Eurus now found the strength to speak, and the duo spent the whole night speaking of the gods, and more specifically of the gods Sintri had prayed to, Pelor. Sintri used his newfound powers to earn the trust of many of the Krag's clans, and before long there were few in the Krag that didn't owe him a favor. Sidri had long given up on the thoughts of ever leaving the crag, succumbing to its hold, until one day. Cidre was passing by the crag's opening, hoping to make a trade with the caravan, when he heard sobbing. He followed the sound until he found a dwarven woman wearing a particularly fancy dress, meaning she was surely new to the crag. He spent the day with the girl, reassuring her and earning her trust. She finally explained that she was daughter of one of the council dwarves, and that she had been speaking about the injustices of the many who had been sent to the crag. She had been ambushed one night by the militia and thrown in the crag without a trial. She promised that if she could get back to Westman's Hall that she would convince her mother, who sat on the council, that it was rotten from the inside. So in the desperate bid to finally right the wrong from almost a century ago, Sinter used all his connections and all his favours in the crag to plan an ambush to take out the small militia that was lowered with the traitors. Sindri returned with most of the dwarves that had been lowered, using his magic to keep them alive. When they reached the surface, the dwarven girl stepped out and declared herself Pia Breitsmelter, daughter of Sylvia Breitsmelter of the council. The next years were spent trying to fix the council. During the time Pia and Sindri would marry and bear two children, a boy named Reynar and a girl named Solver. Roughly a decade after returning to the surface, Sintry found himself alone outside his family home at Knife Point. A hooded elf stood towering over him, holding a long, sharp sword at his chest, and gave Sintry an ultimatum: leave the town tonight, or he and his whole family were going to die by morning. He would be allowed a single letter to his wife, which the elf would approve and deliver. And then he must leave Westman's Hold forever. Sinter wrote his final goodbyes to his wife, asking her to never give up their fight and to raise the children in the manner befitting of a Westman. The first thing Sinter did after leaving Westman's Hold was to seek out a chapel to Pellor and learn the text and writings of his god. He then became a radiant servant, spreading the words of Pellor everywhere he went, hoping every day to hear news of Westman's Hold, to hear stories of the fall of the council so he could return home to his wife and children. That was 80 years ago now.